We're going to start our Christmas series. Uh, Pastor Joel is preaching the Word of God today. Let's just commit our hearts and minds. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, Paul said in Ephesians. And so here's an opportunity to let joy fill our hearts. And that's a choice. So let's pray into that this morning. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your character. Thank you for your love for us, God. And we thank you that we have this opportunity to be together, to lift our voices and our hearts to you. And for those that may be uh, seeking answers to what it means to be a Christ follower, uh, whether in this place or engaging online, God, make yourself real to them as they search, as they seek, as they ask questions. And Lord, I pray that everyone who has come in here with a heavy heart would experience the lift and the strength of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your hearts as we worship together.
That song simply speaks powerfully and pointedly of how much you matter to God. We're going to take some moments now that are, that are significant moments in our gathering when we do this. I'm going to invite the, uh, the prayer teams to find their place, just a big you around uh, the, the gym here. And in a moment, you're going to be encouraged and invited to, to go and just ask for prayer. And you don't have to say anything. You could just say, I need prayer. God knows. And that's okay. If you want to share a sentence or two specifically about the need, you can do that. And we just believe that God hears when there's agreement in prayer. And uh, I, I, I quoted the Beatles uh, a few weeks ago in a, in a blog I sent out. They sang the catchy tune, Boy, you're going to carry that weight, carry that weight a long time. Well, what a depressing, catchy tune, but what a depressing message. I disagree. You don't have to carry that weight. Jesus gave some better words in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, when he said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And I know there's some weary people in this room. There's some weary people engaging online. If you are weary and burdened, he said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, he said, and you will find rest for your souls. You can receive that rest and that peace and that grace and that strength in these moments of prayer agreement. And so it, it, the key is, of course, walking daily. It, it connected like, like a yoke Jesus referred to with two oxen linked together. That's you and Jesus. That's possible. And that's the way you find and experience His rest and grace. And so I just encourage you in these moments to bring your stuff, to bring your pain, to bring your doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. To bring your questions, to bring those difficult situations to Jesus in agreement with these prayer partners in the gym this morning. And so as the worship team continues to sing, just remain standing or sit down, walk around, uh, find your way those that uh, are seeking prayer today and asking God. Maybe you've asked Him a thousand times. That doesn't matter. Step out and take advantage of this opportunity for prayer. Children, we're just getting notified that we missed you guys to send you down this morning. So before we head into this prayer time, some are already praying, which is amazing. Kiddos, you can head on downstairs. Have a great morning. Have an awesome time learning about Jesus. He loves you guys.
Goodness of God, love. 
whether it be a relationship situation, whether it be a financial issue, Lord God, whether it be a medical issue, you know it, Jesus. We give them to you, Jesus, and we pray, pray, God, for change, and we trust you in that, Lord. And, and even when sometimes your answer is no, we will continue to trust in you, Jesus. We give you these things, God. We thank you that you are always there for us, always walking through these difficult things with us, Lord Jesus. And we love you so much, Lord God. And again, we give those things to you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Hey, if this gathering is a new experience for you, we want to express a sincere welcome. So please fill out the I'm new card that you'll find in the chair pocket in front of you and you can drop that in the slot at the Brown Welcome Center kiosk by the gym exit doors or go to eaglemont.info and click on the I'm new button. We're just excited to help you find a place of belonging here. Many of you know the power of generosity. You know it in your own life and many of you know it in the local church. One of my favorite professors back in Bible college was Dr. Franklin. Years ago, he wrote an article entitled in, uh, Encouraging Costly Worship about financial giving as true worship. And he wrote this, he said, when I look through the door of that well-supplied children's ministry room where my grandchild is learning about Jesus, I'm reminded that those facilities are there because many gracious Christ followers worshiped not only with a song, but by giving financially to that ministry or that building program. Was it just fundraising? He says, no. 
when I see the wide-eyed beauty of those little ones hearing the good news of Jesus, I have to conclude that giving was indeed an act of worship, which brought honor to God. What a fantastic statement. Uh, you can worship that way by going to eaglemont.info or by using the debit machine at the brown, again, the brown welcome kiosk by the gym exit doors. Thank you for your faithful tithing to the ministry of Eaglemont Church. Hey, we also want to highlight our uh, Christmas hamper opportunity to support families in need as we approach Christmas. You can make a contribution towards supporting a family and or you can nominate a family that you're aware of who could use this type of support and encouragement. And so to donate or nominate, again, go to eaglemont.info, click on the Christmas Hamper Program button. Thank you so much for your support in this. Also tonight, uh, prayer and vision night, uh, six o'clock in the fireside room, Eaglemont family, Please, can I ask you to make this a priority today? Each of our pastors will briefly share one aspect of vision for the coming year in their area of leadership, and then we'll take time to pray into that. Uh, friends, prayer is just, it, it's non-negotiable. It's fundamental to our outreach effectiveness in what our Lord has called us to do as a church. And so thank you for being a part of this important hour this evening. Keep up to date on what's happening around here at uh, eaglemont.info by signing up to receive the monthly newsletter. Uh, we've also heard that occasionally these are going to people's uh, promotion or junk folders. So uh, just a, a heads up, keep an eye on that. Have a great Sunday. Good morning, everyone. My name's Joel. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Eaglemont. If you're new here, welcome. Uh, this morning, we're going to be starting our Christmas series entitled Because of Christmas. Now, I know some of you are crazy and have already been celebrating Christmas for over a month. Pastor Jaden, Allie Jansen, some of you guys have had your trees up for a month already. And some of you are going, it's November, it's not Christmas yet. This is a little early. Kind of got all the way across the spectrum, I'm sure. So I'm going to help those in the latter because I'm sure what's important to you is that this should be a different celebration this morning because it's the last Sunday of November, which means we really need to give pause and celebrate all the guys that have been growing facial hair through the month of November. So we're going to give a moment here just to congratulate all of you. And more specifically, at the end of our gathering, if you see someone who's grown a magnificent mustache through November, please go up to their spouse and congratulate them on that victory because they're probably the ones that are the most happy about it. But... Now we're going to jump into our, our Christmas series, Because of Christmas, and the message this morning is because of Christmas, there is hope. Now hope, this is a word that gets thrown around an awful lot today. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to go into any downtown city and not find a wall that probably has some type of mural or tag on the side of it that says hope. Over the last couple of years in particular with the pandemic, I've noticed the increased use of this word. I hope that tomorrow is better. I hope that we'll have enough to pay the bills next month. I hope the tests come back negative for anything serious. I hope that guy asks me out next week. We're hoping that this year our family will finally be able to be all together for Christmas. What exactly is hope? Webster's definition 
represents our world's definition of hope. And it says this. The definition states that hope is a feeling that what is wanted will happen. Or desired accompanied by expectation. There are two words in this definition, in the world's definition of hope, that I think actually weaken it. The first is the word feeling. That it's a feeling. See, if I base hope on a feeling, my hope is destined to be disappointed. See, any kid that's jumped off the roof of their house has had a feeling or hope that this will be successful and they will not be injured at the end of it. Or any follower of any sports team, if you're a fan of the Oilers, the Flames, the Eskimos, the Stamps, every year... I have a feeling this is our year. I hope that this is the year that we win. See, feelings are fleeting, are fleeting and erratic. Your emotions are not bad. They are a gift from God. But they are not a stable object upon which to put one's hope. The second word in this definition that I think brings a weakness to a, a real definition of hope is the word expectation, or as it says here, a desire of expectation. Let me give you some examples of the shallowness of desire and how they cannot give hope. If an adult says, I hope my grandfather will get over his cancer, does that guarantee a recovery? If a person says, I applied and I hope I get that job, does that desire guarantee their employment? Desire does not actually equate to hope. When the Bible talks about hope, it is speaking about a confident expectation, specifically confident expectation based on God's promises. Hope, as the Bible defines it, is not found in an item. It's not found in getting more stuff or more money or more wealth, more power. It's not found in a feeling or desire. Hope is found in a person. Christmas hope was, was found thousands of years even before Mary ever conceived Jesus. It is rooted in the history of the Jewish people and weaved throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. Colossians 1, which is a book in the New Testament, this is after the birth of Jesus, verses 15 and 16 says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Jesus existed well before we see Mary, Joseph, stable, wise men, shepherds. Going to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, we see God create the world as a paradise for mankind to enjoy. God would spend time with the first human beings, Adam and Eve, in the garden. Through the course of Scripture, we can see that part of God's creative order, in fact, what's, what's put into the very fabric of your DNA and mine, is a desire to be directly connected to our Creator, to be personally in communion, relationship with Him, close loving relationship with God. It is the reason for that giant cavity within your soul that desires to be connected to something more than simply this life. More than just what I see. Three, chap three chapters into the book of Genesis, we see something that completely shatters God's created order of what he had made. 
the entrance of sin into our world. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, and with sin entered pain, death, destruction, both spiritual and physical death. And from that moment, first, sin first entered the world, the hope of mankind was tied to the person of Christmas. A promised Messiah was what he was called, Jesus. Now this word Messiah means deliverer, leader, or savior. We see the Messiah first referenced in Genesis 3:15. This is immediately after we see sin entered the world. It's God's immediate response. God promised mankind a Messiah who would be their deliverer. Through the Old Testament, we see God's people lean into this hope. When they suffered as slaves in Egypt around 1700 BC, the promise of the Messiah sustained them during the invasion of Israel by Assyria around 700 BC, when many of them were taken away as captives. He was their hope when the city of Jerusalem was destroyed and the Jews were taken out of the promised land where they had put their hope and into Babylon around 600 BC. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 and 6, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, we see a prophecy given about him. It says this in Isaiah 9, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us. To us a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now leading up to the birth of Jesus, there had been 400 years of darkness. Over 400 years of silence. We see no new additions to the sacred text chronicling God's words to his people the Jewish people now lived under the tyranny of the Roman government. And through these dark times, God's people continued to lean into this hope, the promise of a long-awaited Messiah. Now, for many, they awaited a Messiah, one that they had to find what he would look like. They hoped for one who would overthrow the oppressive governments of the day and free God's people from the hand of tyrannical overlords like the Romans or the Assyrians before them or the Babylonians. But God had more planned than that. Listen to the words that the angel spoke to Joseph. when he, Joseph had a, had a meeting, an encounter with an angel who told him about the birth of Jesus. His wife Mary would give birth to a son. And the angel said this, he has given us, new, uh, sorry, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Why? In Matthew 1.21, for he will save his people from their sins. The Messiah would come not only to break oppressive powers on earth, not to just bring liberation and new government, but to break the spiritual power of sin over all humanity, Jesus, the Messiah, would come to earth to pay the penalty of the sin that had separated us from God. That relationship that was to give us all life 
all fulfillment, all meaning, all joy, all life was to be restored. The Messiah would come to pay the penalty that had separated us so we could once again be brought back into right relationship, into communion, to loving, close, intimate relationship with God. This hope is still alive and active today. First Peter, which we've studied uh, this past fall in our series together as a church, in First Peter 1 to 3, Peter says that he, God, has given us new birth into a not passive, not dormant, not dead, but living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Christmas hope does not expire, diminish, or disappoint. Hope gives us reason to live. It is this hope that sustains the victims of violence and injustice, that holds the child who is dealing with the loss of parents. It is this hope that strengthens the mother who is trying to grasp and deal with that new diagnosis that she most feared, cancer. This is the hope for the young man who is teased, bullied at school and spends nights alone asking the question, what is the purpose and point of my life? How do you, and I mean you, engage with this hope? Charles Dickens' classic novel, A Christmas Carol, is an allegorical story of redemption. And correspondingly, learning to live a life of generosity. Now, Dickens himself was a Christian. And he spoke often about how his stories he looked at as modern-day parables, the teachings of Jesus. Now, in this classic story, how many of you have heard A Christmas Carol? Yeah? Okay. Anybody never heard of that story before? Okay, good. All right, so we're all on the same page. So in this classic story, we see a, a, a miserly and cold man named Ebenezer Scrooge. Now, how would you define Ebenezer Scrooge? Any words? What was that? Bah humbug. Bah humbug. Yes. Anything else? What, what was Scrooge like? Greedy. Greedy, cheating. Anything else? Grumpy. Grumpy. I, someone else said what? I just didn't catch it. A grouch. Thank you, Veronica. Yes. How many of you know a Scrooge in your life? Someone at Christmas time that you called them a Scrooge. Maybe they just, they don't really get yes. They don't get into it. Jenkins children, are you aware of anybody who's a Scrooge? Maybe someone who doesn't watch Christmas movies? Perhaps someone I'm pretty sure one time in the office I heard say, bah humbug. So here we see Scrooge. He's cold, he's miserly, he's selfish. And in this story, he comes in contact with three spirits. The ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future yet to come. Well, if I can, in the remaining of our time this morning, I want us to use these three time frames to talk about how we can relate to hope. Hope for our future, hope for our present, and hope for our past. So I'm going to go in reverse order of how Dickens does it. And this morning, first of all, I want to talk about hope for our future. See, I need to deal with this first because hope 
for our, our future is actually the key to our hope. It is the anchor that establishes hope for our past and our present. So we have to look at it first. The reality is, is that if our hope is only anchored in our present or past, it will fade. Because your life is made for more than this world. You are made for more than simply this earthly life. This fact is the source of why, despite living in the most affluent and prosperous time in history, so many feel so empty and hollow. Why, despite being surrounded by more people, society, activity, and noise, people have never reported feeling so empty and alone. You were created with a capacity and need in your soul to be connected to something beyond yourself and beyond this world. The book of Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, God has planted eternity in the human heart. That within your very heart, within your soul, God has planted the desire, the capacity, the want, the longing for eternity. Theologian and writer C.S. Lewis said it this way, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Going to 1 Peter again, back to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Peter talks about how now, because of Christ, because Jesus was raised from the dead, God has now made it so that now we live with great expectation. Why? Because we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Probably the most well-known verse in the Bible is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. That's what we talk about at Christmas. That's what it's all about. That Jesus came so that one day he could give his life for you and for me. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Our inheritance, as 1 Peter was talking about, is everlasting, eternity, life in heaven. A place that the Bible says is without pain, death. It is paradise. As once again, we are restored to be in full connection with our creator who loves us. This is our hope. The promise that God one day will restore and make all things new. This is the hope for our future. If you have never had the opportunity to receive that hope, if you've never had the opportunity to live with that hope, the Bible says it's really simple. For God so loved the world that he gave. And that gift is something you can receive. And it's actually very simple to do so. But I also want to be upfront that it's very hard to live out. The gift is easy to receive. It says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is God's son, came and paid the penalty for our sins, if we confess with our mouth that truth, that he is willing to forgive all of your debt, and in that, in exchange, we now have that right relationship with him, our life becomes now living for him. And you can do that simply by talking to him in prayer. We'll have an opportunity at the end of our service this morning if you want to be led into a prayer like that. But I can tell you right now, 
God's desire for you, that ache in your heart is not going to go away. That longing inside of you that you can't fill with stuff or things is because you were created with a desire for eternity. It's planted within your very soul, within the fabric of your being. This hope for our future is also a hope for our present. Now, if there's one thing in our wor- that our world seems to be running short of, it's hope. This hopelessness has bled into a sea of apathy, disillusionment, and depression in our world. In June 2020, the CDC in the United States, yes, I know we live in Canada, but we just don't have as much stats, so we always end up using the U.S. We're close to the same. The CDC released data that suggests one in four adults uh, ages 18 to 24 have considered suicide. And according to the recently released Harvard Youth Poll of Americans, 51% of young Americans said that at least several days in the previous two weeks, they have felt down, depressed, or hopeless. To many in our world, the antidote to this hopelessness is to pursue happiness. Pleasure. We see it again in the United States Declaration that all citizens have the unable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Pleasure and happiness, though, are fleeting. Happiness is often circumstantial, and truthfully, as much as we try, we can't make ourselves happy. Think about that. Think of all the things you've done in your life, all the things your friends have done in their lives to make themselves happy. If we could make ourselves happy, would anybody not be happy in our world? Who would deliberately choose not to be happy? But we can't do it. We can't make ourselves happy. Scholar G.K. Chesterton was once quoted, Hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, or things are really good, or we can see the bright side, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian psychiatrist who was captured and detained in two separate German concentration camps. During these years, he witnessed and experienced extreme persecution, physical and psychological punishment, as well as the grief and torment of witnessing the death of family and loved ones. In these type of conditions, one can wonder how a human being could continue on. But he later spoke what was the most debilitating force of the human ability to continue forward that he saw. And that was purposelessness and meaninglessness. He noticed that in the camps, the worst thing that would happen is they would choose to get the prisoners to move these giant stones and rocks. And they'd say, move it from this side of the camp and then move it over here. And so they'd work all day and move the stones. Then they'd send them to the bed and the next day they'd wake up. Okay, now move those rocks and move them back over there. Back and forth and back and forth. The work itself was excruciating punishment. But the meaninglessness to it robbed all hope from the prisoners. It was in his time at these camps, seeing the absolute depravity of needless suffering, that Frankel developed his theory of logotherapy, which claims that 
through a search for meaning in life, individuals can endure and overcome any suffering. In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Frankel states, but happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue. One must have a reason to be happy. Once the reason is found, however, one becomes happy automatically. As we see, a human being is not one in pursuit of happiness, but rather in search of a reason to become happy. The rival of God's son, Jesus, Christmas, gives us a reason. Romans 15, 12 and 13, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles, which that is a, real, a weird word if you're new to church. Gentile is just saying anybody who's not Jewish. So most of us here are Gentiles this morning. The Gentiles will hope in him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope fills us with all joy. Now, joy is different than happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is not circumstantial. May the God of all hope, hope fills you with joy and peace when, as you trust in him. Putting our hope in Christ allows us to be filled with joy and peace. That's God's gift to you. So that we can go out into the world filled with hope. Not something that we produce in ourselves, not hyping ourselves up, not getting a self-help book that makes us feel better and feels like our future's more hopeful. No. We are filled with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And putting our hope in Christ allows us then to be filled with joy and peace so that we can go into our world filled with hope and to share it with others. Going back to A Christmas Carol, we see Scrooge, the main character, at the end of the story. He becomes a man of great generosity. He goes out into the streets. He gives to the poor and talks about not just on that Christmas day does he help the people that he saw in the, with the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, but he continues to all the people in his town. He becomes one who is so benevolent, so caring, so joyous. The most benevolent and joyful people on earth should be Christians. Because we have a reason for hope. The value of our day today is not measured simply by what we experience or attain, earn or accomplish. Rather, our today is an opportunity to invest out of the richness of our already promised future eternal hope in Christ. Eternal life with Jesus, free from the depravity and bounds of sin. Our today has joy, has peace, and has further replenishing hope because of the trusted promise we have of our future tomorrow. Finally, our future hope is also connected to our past. 
Now, going back to the Bible, at the entrance of sin that we spoke about earlier in this message, in the book of Genesis, the entrance of sin, we see God begin immediately to put into action his plan to redeem mankind. But while the world waited for a Messiah, a Savior, someone to free them to come, God gives Israel the gift of his laws and commandments. Maybe that's what you've heard of so far. Maybe that's your association with church as you know about the Bible has commandments, it has rules, it has laws. Well, those laws were given as gifts by God, and the purpose of these gifts were to help guide God's people into the best way to live. But this wasn't enough. See, the law on its own cannot rebuild. The law on its own cannot truly make things right. As the Apostle Paul stated, the law was only a shadow of what would come. No guidebook, no rule book would be enough. No matter of good counsel, penance, good deeds, or right living could fix what had already been done. We needed a savior, someone to rescue us, someone to free us. It's the same today for me and for you. We cannot heal ourselves. We cannot fix our own problems. Even if we do all the right things, it is still not enough to heal the brokenness that is inside of us. We need a savior who can redeem, who can save, who can heal us. The hope of Christmas does not just affect your today and your tomorrow. It also impacts the way we reconcile with our past. Jesus, our Savior, as the Bible refers to him, our Redeemer, has come to redeem you. And part of that is redeeming your story. The things you have done and what has been done to you. Some of us are challenged by this topic of hope. We're challenged by it because of the immense pain and brokenness we've experienced because of what has happened in our past. I heard a story this week on the news that broke me in hearing it. I don't know if you guys heard the story of Jamie Erickson, who's a paramedic around the Calgary area, responded to a call where there was a, a, call where there was a car accident, two young men, women in the car. When they got to the accident, they were so brutally damaged beyond recognition. It was clear that both women were not going to survive, and she stayed with the one woman for over 20 minutes, trying to keep her alive, herself a mother, thinking of what that would be like to not be able to see your daughter before she dies, to keep her alive so that her family would have a chance. She stayed, and when the girls were taken off to hospital, she finished her shift and went home, and shortly after arriving home, received a knock on the door. As RCMP officers reported to her that her daughter had been in an accident and was in the hospital. When she got to the room, she recognized the girl was the girl that she had been staying with in the accident. I can't imagine the pain of having to go through that. Some of you, I can't imagine the pain of what has happened to you in your past. Some of you experienced such immense brokenness 
and leaves you to ask the question, how can I have hope when I experience such pain and destruction? Some of you have been abused. Some of you have been mistreated beyond what anybody should ever experience. Some of you have had to walk through sickness and go through journeys that no one else understands and live a life that feels very lonely. Some of you have experienced sexual and mental abuse. Some of you have been the abusers and the mistreaters. It is important to note that hope is always birthed out of brokenness. For just a few moments this morning, I want us to look at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. We find it in Genesis chapter 50. Now for those of you who aren't familiar with Joseph, Joseph had, was one of eventually 12 sons. And his own brothers threw him into a pit because they were jealous of him. He was his dad's favorite. And they ended up selling him off to be a slave in distant Egypt, which was the major power, world power kingdom of the day. He was taken as a slave and ended up earning a lot of favor with the man that he was a slave to and kind of looked after his household. But then the man's wife desired Joseph and she ended up accusing Joseph when he rejected her. And so the man who owned Joseph threw him into prison. He spent years in prison. All these things unrightfully put upon his life. And later on, Joseph ended up, he interpreted dreams found the favor of Pharaoh and ended up becoming Pharaoh's right-hand man, the second most powerful man in the entire nation of Egypt, the most powerful kingdom on earth. And when a famine came across the land, his own brothers, who assumed he had been dead, came to see him to beg to try and purchase grain so they could feed their families during this great famine. And we see Joseph's words to his brothers who had so poorly treated him in verses 19 and 20 of Genesis chapter 50. You plotted evil against me, but God turned it into good. Note the situation, he didn't justify saying you did it and it was good and God, God you worked through you, you did a good thing. No, but God turned what you did into good in order to preserve the lives of many people who are alive today because of what happened. Hope doesn't just affect your present and your future, but your past. Hope allows us to view broken things differently. It doesn't mean that we suddenly forget the past or the pain somehow doesn't exist. If you're familiar with Joseph's story, when Joseph sees his brothers, he actually has to leave because of the overwhelming emotions that he has. If you've had pain in your past, it is not that you should suddenly just forget it and get over it. The existence of pain does not mean that there's not necessarily, there's also the existence of hope. We may not also have a story that has a clear ending like Joseph's does. Maybe it will someday. Maybe in this lifetime you won't see 
how God does it fully. But true hope means that there is something in us that is stronger than our hurt, our pain, or our anger. Corey Ten Boone, who we've referred to a few times in different messages on a Sunday, amazing story of a woman who again was taken into a Nazi prison camp. Her father and her sister, who was her best friend, both died in that concentration camp. One of the prison guards, as Corey, after she, after she was released, moved around and spoke publicly and spoke about her faith in God and was speaking one time. And one of the prison guards who was from her, the concentration camp she was in, who would have seen her, would have spoken words over her, who would have hurt her and her sister, she saw it one of the times she spoke. You can imagine the anger and the hurt that someone like that would have caused. But as she spoke with God and spoke about the hurt she had, These were her words. Your love in me, God, your love in me is stronger than my hatred. God is not necessarily happy with what has happened to you and to your experience in life or what you have done, but he can redeem it. He can use it like he did in Corey's life, in Joseph's life, like he did in my life. When I went through and was bullied as a kid and later God redeemed my story and I was able to use my story as a youth pastor for years working with kids in junior high. We're going through very similar things. Or Trisha's story who shared a couple weeks ago about her journey in life after having an abortion at a younger age. No matter what your story is, God can restore and he can redeem. God might use the pain that was in your life to help minister to others who have gone through the same thing. He might simply use your pain and your experience to draw you closer to him. God's desire is to change your future, but also to heal your past. And we need to allow hope to polish the perceptions of our past. That's oftentimes what robs us and oftentimes what keeps us trapped. The words come to mind of the carol, carol, O little town of Bethlehem, in the one phrase, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Hope is rooted in our future. It directs our present and it redeems our past. Christmas is hope for our past that God can redeem and restore all that has happened and make something beautiful. Christmas hope is for the present. It is my today, that my today is not random. My today is ordered of God and nothing I faith is outside of him or beyond him and I can live joyfully with purpose and share the hope I have with others around me. Finally, Christmas is hope for the future. Ultimately, my eternity with him that this world is not my home, but one day I will be in paradise, united with my loving creator. Church, we have the gift of hope to live today. We stand with me as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope of Christmas that is found because of the gift of your son, Jesus. I want to pray this morning. First of all, I pray if there's anybody here today 
who has never had that opportunity to actually have you come in so that they can personally know you as their own Savior, saving them from their sin and coming in that right relationship, lovingly knowing you, hearing from you, being with you, experiencing you. It's as simple as saying a prayer like this, and if that's you, you can just say in your own words, but something like this. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you love me and you sent Jesus to pay for my sin. Forgive me for the things I've done that have gone against what you wanted. And help me to live for you today and in all of my tomorrows. Lead me. In Jesus' name. God, for those of us who perhaps today I just feel importantly to pray, who feel trapped by our past, and our past needs to be polished by your presence so that we can have a proper perspective. For those of us who have been so deeply wounded and hurt, something maybe this year, this week, this month, for some of us, things that go back years and decades. Holy God, as each one just individually has things on their hearts and they know that there's something stirring there, I just pray, God, we invite you. We invite you to come and help us to see what you see. We ask for you to redeem. Lord, that's not giving permission for what's been done to us as if perpetrators were not wrong. But God, we pray that you would restore us, that you would heal us, that you will use what was meant for evil, you will use for good. For all of us, Lord, as your church, this Christmas season, as we lead up over the weeks to come, Lord, for our neighbors, our friends, our classmates, our co-workers, God, many of them who are in the midst of pursuing pleasure and happiness to try and fix the cavity, the hopelessness they feel inside of them, can you use us to be ones who give reason for hope? God, help us to share the goodness of God that has come through Jesus for all mankind. We thank you, we praise you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen. Amen. Pastor Jane. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message this morning and for bringing the spirit of Christmas only 27 days late. So that's fantastic. Um, Just as we close, if you don't want to stand, it'll just motivate me to talk faster, so it's up to you. Um, We have some cards at the back that are blank Christmas cards for the uh, Edmonton Remand Center. So if you're interested in writing a card to some of the people there, Linda can help you out at the back by giving you some guidelines on how to do that. So definitely head there. Our outdoor Christmas movies start December 2nd. Invite your friends, invite your neighbors, your coworkers. Bring two cars, put all the kids in one, adults in the other whatever you'd like. Don't let them drive there, but you can switch once you get here. Um, But yeah, definitely check that out. That is starting December 2nd, and that information is all online, as well as chairs do need to come down today, so if you could help with that, we would really appreciate it. But have an amazing Sunday, and we will see you tonight at our prayer meeting.
Have a good one.